Our sermon reading for this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is God's word. It was a nice church. It was steadily growing over the few years that it had existed. Everybody from, from different backgrounds, different, different cultures, different financial, financial successes, people with different cultures, all came to this one church because the gospel was preached there. Because Christ crucified was at the heart and soul of its teaching and, and that word had accomplished so much in that community and in the hearts of those people that people from all over Corinth had joined together and became a Christian church. And then the honeymoon phase flamed out. The unity was shattered into pieces. Immorality was rampant in the church. There were divisions on doctrine and practice. There were divisions in personality. People were approaching the church in all of the wrong ways. They were showing up and, and trying to exert authority and superiority over their brothers and sisters in Christ. It had gotten so bad that taking the Lord's Supper at this church had become a mess. Because even there, people wanted to exert power and authority over one another. Yes, it had, it had started as a nice church, but the devil had, had snuck his way in. And he snuck his way in by holding up two things. There's what Jesus sees as important, and there's what the world sees as important. And what the world sees as important had become the mainstay of the church at Corinth. And that's the reason, really, for the entirety of the 1 Corinthians letter is Paul is saying, hey, you guys got a lot of stuff wrong here. And so he puts it before him. Especially in our verses from chapter 1 for today, there are two ways to go about this life. The way of the world and the way of Christ Jesus. The way that the world says is strong and wise and great and the way that the world says is foolish and wrong. And he says, brothers and sisters, the way to go about this life is the way that the world says is weak and foolish and wrong. And, and so he starts out our reading with, with just a reminder as to who the people he was talking to were. He says, brothers and sisters, 
Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. He is talking to this Corinth and he is essentially saying, you are the church of misfit toys. And so we're posed with a question today. Does God love this church just because it's a church of misfit toys? Does God only love the misfits and and the noble, the powerful, the strong, the rich? Those people does God have no time for? No, what we see being taught today in Corinthians is a natural truth that is taught throughout the New Testament. And that is for people that are strong, for people that are wise, according to this world, it is difficult for them to live the way that God has called them to live. It is difficult for the wise and the noble and the rich to say, you know what, that stuff's all fine, but I don't need that stuff. I need my Savior. It's a truth that goes back to when Jesus was talking about the rich man getting through the eye of the needle. No, he's not saying those people aren't worth the grace that Christ won for them. He's just saying there's that extra little barrier And this church of misfit toys here in Corinthians had been shown the grace of God. They had the gospel present among them. I want to take you 200 years into the future. Not from now, but from, from then, to about 250 to 270 A.D. And there was this work of art that was essentially graffiti written on a wall in Rome. And the vandal stood by the wall, and he carved a picture into the wall, and he put some words with it. And those words said in Greek, Alexamenus, which is a name, worships his God. And the picture right next to those words was a cross. The feet nailed to the bottom, the arms stretched out on the crossbar, And the head? The head was a donkey. Yes, this vandal, 1,800 years before today, had taken the truth of Christ Jesus and him crucified, found somebody in his society, and put on the wall, this man is a fool for worshiping a donkey nailed to the tree. Brothers and sisters, it's not new. The way of the world attacking the way of Christ, it's not a new thing. I I wish it were. But I think there's this idea out here that it, it gets worse and worse every single day and it gets more and more difficult for the Christian to live every day. And maybe there's some truth to it, but but the other truth is is that for the last 2,000 years, it hasn't been easy. And no, I'm not just talking about the times in which the Christians were being put to death. I'm not just talking about Middle Eastern countries where it is illegal. I'm not just talking about the times where, where Emperor Nero was, was just having, having Christians slaughtered by the, by the dozens. No, it's been difficult for a lot of reasons for the church of God to, because what God proposes in the cross goes completely contrary to what the, the world says is important. What God has said is strength, the world says is weakness. What God says is wisdom, the world says foolishness. 
a man, true God and true man, giving up his life, being nailed to a tree. Do you see a whole lot of strength there? Because the world doesn't. They would say that's the epitome of weakness. A God who who shows his grace to people and says, no, there's nothing you can do to earn my love. Instead, it is completely and utterly free. The world says that's not how a God would work. That would be a silly God to work that way. No, if you don't bring something before God, then that's not a God worth following. They've said the things that God said are strong and wise foolishness and yet in our reading it says God chose those things God chose the things that the world despises in order to bless you with life and salvation God chose the things that the world would say are are even silly or mundane and he said these are going to be the things that I use to save my people from their sins he took his word. He chose his word. That, that thing that you can buy and sell on Amazon. The thing that has been translated into hundreds of different languages. Whether it comes from the mouth or it's pen to paper. He chose his word to be that which overcomes the gates of Hades. Even though the world says the word, the word means nothing to me. God chose water. Water to attach to that word, to put on what the world could only show, say is the worst magic trick of all time. But God said in this baptismal water, I call you mine. You my child and I call you my heir, eternal life. God chose bread and wine. He chose his true body and true blood given to his people. And the world would say that is disgusting. That is anti-scientific. But God says that's forgiveness. God chose a place like this. A place of public worship. A place that would be there to encourage and, and, and strengthen his people. And although the world would say, you know what? You don't need to make that time out of your Sunday for public worship. God said, no, I, I chose that to be a blessing for my people. God even chose things like our, our music. And he said, our music is going to be there to lift up and also to, to edify my people so that they might be more confident in their belief in me. Brothers and sisters, God chose words. Whether that's thought words or words spoken out loud, echoed up to him to be the way that his people express to him their thanks, their sadness, their joys. And he chose those words of prayer for us, even though he knew the world would say, you are just blowing those words out into the ether and nobody is listening to you. God chose these things for you. Specific blessings for your faith and for your salvation. 
And he said, if the world doesn't have time for them, when the world says they are useless or silly or mundane, that's when you say, then I don't need what the world has to offer. I've got my God's power shown to me through Christ my Savior. They might call the gospel weakness. They might call grace alone weakness. They might call your Savior foolishness. But we call him the power for salvation for everyone who believes. Yes, Jesus is the full display of God's wisdom and God's might. But then, then he says, I am going to display my wisdom and might through people like you. Through the daily lives of my people, I am, I'm going to show this world that, that my people don't need what they have to offer because they have found full strength and full wisdom in what I give to them. Brothers and sisters, you and I live in this world, but we're not this world. You and I live in this world, but we don't believe the lies that the world has to offer. This world would have you believe that you have to get yours. I was listening to a sports personality that was, was essentially saying that I got to where I got. Why? Because I tried hard. Because of my strength. And he wanted every single person that he came into contact to know that he was in the position in which he found himself. Why? Because of him. And yet Paul, at the end of our reading, says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Self-sufficiency is sort of king in this country, isn't it? You want to be self-made. You want to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You want to be able to look around and go, guess what? That house, that car, that boat, that life that I've created for myself... I did that. And the world would say, yes, believe it. But there's a danger there. There's a danger in seeing your life as simply something that you have created for yourself. There's a danger when we find ourselves boasting in anything besides the Lord. And let me, let me sort of give an example. Somebody comes to you and they're, they're boasting about their job and success that they've had in their field. What's the first thing that so often we want to do? We want to express to them our success, right? But holding those two things up next to one another, Christ's success for us and our success that we've won for ourselves, that only lasts so long. It only lasts so long until we start to have a little bit of grace over there. It's almost as if we live in this world and we say, yes, I want my salvation to be the work of God, and I would like the rest of my life to be the work of me. But so quickly those things overlap, don't they? 
and we try to push God out of the successes in our lives, and we, we try to put ourselves into the successes of salvation, and it turns into a great big mess. No, brothers and sisters, it's not as if we boast in ourselves when it comes to our earthly life, and we boast in Christ when it comes to our spiritual life. We boast in Christ for everything. I was reading a story, uh, 1903, I believe. It was Queen Victoria, and maybe some of you know this quote, have, have heard this story before. Queen Victoria had just gotten done listening to a sermon from a chaplain that, uh, that was talking about the end times and about Jesus coming again. And Queen Victoria, Queen of England, says, wow, I really hope I'm alive for the moment that Jesus comes back. Goes, well, Why? And she goes, because I would love to take the crown off my head and throw it at his feet. How many crowns have you been given? No, not Queen of Aiken, Queen of England crowns. How many crowns have you been given in your life, blessed, bestowed from God on high and placed in your life? If you sat down today and, and thought about it, there's just no way you would get through the whole list. But this week, brothers and sisters, I urge you to see the crowns for what they are. Crowns bestowed upon you from God himself. And get excited for that moment at which we get to throw our crowns before his feet. It's not about our strength. It's not about our wisdom. It's about God's. We don't live feeling around in this world trying to, trying to figure out what we need. There's people that, that will say, and they'll say it in churches too, that you really just need to remake yourself. You really just need to work on yourself and, and that will give you a better life. God says no. That's the wisdom of the world. That's finding your strength inside. Instead, find your strength in me. In your victories, and yes, in your challenges. Do we see our challenges that way? As an opportunity to, to mirror the strength and the wisdom that Christ has showed to us in our lives? Consider it. When the diagnosis comes down from the doctor and it looks like your time is drawing nigh. Or when it looks like it's going to be a road of struggle and pain for you. Or when you, when you lose that job that you've loved so much and it looks like in front of you is only difficulty and struggle. What an opportunity to reflect God's strength and wisdom. To turn to your family and your friends and your church family and say, I'm not worried even a little bit about this because my strength doesn't come from me. My wisdom doesn't come from all of the things that I've amassed to myself or, or, or in my head. No, my wisdom is Christ crucified. And what the world has to offer, I just don't need it. That's the world we live in. 
I go back sort of to that, that beginning question that I, that I asked at the beginning of the sermon. Would you rather like to, to live the way that Christ has laid out for you, or would you like to live according to the world? The wisdom of the world fades. The powers of the world rise and fall. But the foolishness of the cross, the weakness of God's grace shown to you, better than any strength or wisdom that the world has to offer. May the cross always be your strength and your wisdom. Amen.